Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, good morning and welcome to a very chilly and uh, overcast Johannesburg right here near the high offices in Johannesburg. But technology is never chilly. It's never overcast. There's some interesting stuff going on, unfortunately, and uh, the controversy uh, surrounding the whole Facebook saga and the whole leak. Well, let's put that carefully and right in perspective. According to Facebook, there was a misuse of data which was totally authorized by both its users and Facebook itself, and that information was given to Cambridge Analytica incorrectly by an academic who created an app which should uh, simply have been used for research purposes. And that app was called This Is Your Digital Life. So herein starts the first thing. If for some unknown reason you downloaded this app and used your Facebook login and allowed it to share because who reads those 400-page things that says, you know, these are the terms and conditions of the use of this particular app. But if you did, then your information and what is more interesting, the information of all your friends was shared with um, this app and via that app through to Cambridge Analytica. According to Cambridge Analytica, they were entitled to use that information and they did use that information. And 87 million people around the world their information was used for all sorts of interesting um, sort of scientific and uh, commercial uses. And the net effect is that in some circles, it it certainly held that um, it could actually have influenced the election of Donald Trump as the American president, simply because they had so much information on everybody. And there were around about 50 million Americans who whose information was used to target those people with very clear messages and very clear information that sort of pushed the Trump agenda and whatever that may be. And here we sit in the world of deep, dark information everywhere. Well, the first thing and why I really wanted to bring this up is because I've been getting a lot of phone calls from a lot of people and messages, emails, WhatsApp, you name it. And simply, there's definitely a move that Facebook and all social media is evil. They collect your data. They sell your data. They use it any which way they want. And um, this is all really bad, and we should all get off. Well, if you want off, not a problem. You can download your data. You can delete your data. You can log off Facebook, and you can never return. I mean, that's entirely up to every person's particular need or want or use. The thing is, I see it from a slightly different way, and I think most people do as well. Facebook has revolutionized the way that we communicate amongst all of us. Who hasn't used Facebook to stalk? That's the wrong word. But anyway, to follow, to find out, to uh, investigate, to learn, to meet friends, family, close loved ones out of the country, um, share their experiences, share their you know, happy moments, share the kids doing whatever the kids do birthdays, you name it. I mean, who remembers a birthday? If Facebook doesn't remind you it's someone's birthday, do you actually does it actually exist? Is it a birthday? So the the sheer amount of influence that a platform as ubiquitous now as Facebook, it's on your computer, it's on your phone, it's on your watch, it's everywhere. Um shares and has has changed the way that we communicate as people as a human race we definitely 
do not speak to each other in quite the same way. Our views of news, our views of happenings around the world um, certainly have changed because of what we see here, uh, view and post on Facebook. So unwinding this particular little uh, thing is just not going to happen. So here's what you need to do. First and foremost, uh, Facebook have been quite upfront about everything. They have taken responsibility for whatever that's worth. And the simple fact is that information was shared. It was shared outside of the rules of Facebook. It was shared outside of Facebook's platform. So there was no breach. No one stole the information from um, Facebook. It was freely agreed to and given for particular purposes. Now, if you want to see if your information was shared or your the fr- your friend's information via you or you were a friend of someone whose information was shared, there's actually now a very simple way. Log into Facebook on the on um on a browser, any browser, log in with your account and go to the help center. It's quite simple, just click help. Uh, it's available on the 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 screen there, little question mark on the top right. Click on it, go to help. When the help bar comes up, it says Facebook Health Center, Help Center. Type in Cambridge DGE Analytica with a small c. So type in the words Cambridge Analytica and just push enter. Simple as that. And what that will do, it will simply do um, a little search for you and it will tell you was your information shared shared and interestingly on my own profile and i'm pretty busy on facebook it says based on your available record neither you nor your friends logged into this is your digital life as a result it does not appear that your facebook information was shared with cambridge analytica by this is your digital life so my data was never shared none of my friends data was ever shared and that's a great thing so if you really want to find out if anything of yours was shared outside of facebook um, that you did not agree to because you did not, this was not authorized use of any data. Simply, as I said, go to the help center, type in Cambridge Analytica, do a search, and then there'll be a how can I tell if my information was shared? Just click on see more and it'll do a little search and it'll tell you straight away if your information was shared. If it was, then what you need to do is go to your settings and remove any apps such as this is your digital life. It'll still be there if you clicked and linked to it. Remove it from your permissions. Remove it from your apps and go through the list. You'll be astonished how many people um, use Facebook to log into other apps. In fact, I saw a tweet yesterday. It was really, really funny. Someone, a well-known radio personality, said was very proud to tell people he has now finally deleted his Facebook profile and he's no longer going to go on Facebook, but he cannot understand why he can't log into Twitter anymore because why would that affect it? Well, he used his Facebook login to log into Twitter. So probably all his social media and a ton of other apps on his phone everywhere are not going to work because he used, he trusted Facebook sufficiently to use it as his main repository of of authentication for a whole host of other apps. And that's where it gets really interesting. A lot of us have done that. So be very, very, very aware of what you've shared, what apps you have um, authorized to do it. And over the next couple of weeks, the settings and uh, authority apps in your Facebook profile are going to get 
put into a much more organized place. Right now, there's just lots and lots of places. It's quite confusing to find. It's under settings and under your own profile. If you click on your own profile and you go to settings, you will find a whole host of options to regarding your privacy, your security, who can see your chats, who can't see your chats, what um, you know, what posts are, are public, what posts aren't public, whether you're sharing your messenger phone book with Facebook. So, and the same goes for WhatsApp, even though that's uh, been pretty much stopped for the most part. So, the Facebook controversy is not going away. I think it is a brilliant, brilliant platform for doing all sorts of things, sharing all sorts of things, just being in touch with so much out there, um, which is just much more organized than using the web. So I'm not leaving Facebook anytime soon, but I have reviewed all my security settings. I have deleted a ton of apps that are old, didn't use, leaves you open to hacking if it's an old app that you've never used for three months. In fact, that's a rule. If you haven't used an app for three months, delete it from your Facebook profile. If you ever need to go back in, you can re-log in with Facebook, reauthorize it to use your, 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 your credentials or not. But by getting rid of it, you're reducing the amount of sort of interface out there on the web that could potentially link to your Facebook profile. And the old adage, the last thing I'll say about this whole story is if you are not prepared to share that information publicly by standing on a street corner and telling random strangers or your friends about it, don't share it on Facebook. Don't use Facebook as a stream of consciousness. Don't use it to air stuff that you really wouldn't be comfortable sharing with the entire universe or the world or even with one or two decent friends. Don't put it up there. Keep it private and then you have no worries about what you've posted um, on Facebook. And I mean, S simply going back, I first logged in in 2007, and I can see my posts and my friends from those dates. So unbelievable stuff. We'll be back with some more um, less serious tech news straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. And moving on to something that um, I mentioned last week. And it was actually really, really interesting. Um, I mentioned that the new Huawei P20 and P20 Pro, as well as the P20 Lite, is going on sale in South Africa last week, Friday. And I went to the launch Thursday evening. And as usual, Huawei certainly didn't hold back. It was quite a, a spectacular affair with, you know, fashion models and you name it. But Seriously and quite interestingly, there is no question that Huawei in the last three years have come from nowhere, from a name that most of us couldn't even pronounce, um, to one of the top three phone providers in South Africa. So, ah, I've got a call. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Hi. Good morning to you. Uh, regarding Facebook... Um, thank you for the update, Matt. What I'd like to know is how do I get rid of every day when I log into Facebook? I see these millions of people's pictures, people you may know. And, I mean, there's nobody I ever know. And to me, it's such an invasion of their privacy. And it assumes that my picture that is being sent to 
lots of other people saying, do they know me? How does one get rid of that invasive insert? Okay, well, here's what's really interesting, and that's something that you actually do have, have under your control, which a lot of people don't realize. If you see a post, if let's say you open up your Facebook and the first thing that comes up is something you really don't want to see, have a look on the right-hand side of the post. There's three little dots. And if you click on that, what it says is you can either save it, you can hide it, um, and there are you can even turn, you can change all sorts of stuff. You can unfollow that person. Um, you can make comments on that particular post. But the most useful thing is is to hide it and, and it'll say, see fewer posts like that. So what Facebook will do, because you've indicated you don't want to see that stuff or that person, it won't ever give you that information again. It'll sort of block and hide that information away from you. The thing is, from an invasion point of view, and this is where you really have to understand, when you make a post, it asks you, it actually says, who can see this post? If you say only my friends, then only the people that you have physically made your friend on Facebook will see what you have to say. But if you say everybody can see this post, then anybody searching for your name, anybody who's a friend of yours will see that post. And in fact, that post is available for the entire world to see. So what all of us have to do is you have to be much more aware of the permissions and what you do on Facebook. It's so easy to just post something and then suddenly it's everywhere. But if, you, if you're very careful and you actually simply say what's on you, you know, when you do a what's on your mind, up pops a little thing. It says public, friends. You can even say friends except. So what you can do is you can show it to all your friends except certain people you don't want to see it. There's even more options. You can actually only post it for yourself. You can actually say, I want to remember this 10 years down the road, so I'm going to make this post available only to me, so it'll only come up in your own um, timeline. So Facebook have done a hell of a job of trying to make the privacy under your control, but you have to. By default, it does share posts pretty much with everybody. Does that answer your question? No, not, not really, because these pictures come up and they say, People you may know, and the only it's got nothing to do oh, with the Oh, oh, I see, I see. You can ignore them. You, they show you these pictures of yeah. umpteen, and you, the only way you can get rid of the pictures is to delete them. No. And then the next day there's more and there's more. And this is a feature that uh, uh, it's so irritating and it's got nothing to do with posts. It's just no, okay, people that okay. So it's recommending people that you want to correct. You can actually turn that off. Go to settings and tell it to stop making suggestions. It's as simple as that. Stop making suggestions. Yes, you'll find it in the settings um, in your profile. If you go to yeah. this, if you go to edit profile or or have a look at the various settings there. Um, it's not quite that simple, but you can have a look at your settings and you can tell it not to recommend uh, people to you and it will stop recommending people to you completely. So that is, that is the best way to do it because often you don't, you know, you, you want to find people that you want to be friends with, not just random people. So go to settings and tell it to stop making suggestions for friends. And that should take care of that particular issue. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much. And love your show. Thanks so much. Bye.
Oh, that was really interesting, and thanks for calling in. And um, that's what uh, Facebook's all about. <laughs> it's all about sharing. And uh, you have to be very, very, very careful about who you share with what and what you share. But as I said, it's very important that you realize that you don't just click on default and say, share with everybody. Because if it's something you don't want to share, just be aware that you don't have to share everything on Facebook with everyone. And that information will not be shared. And I can assure you with all this, the good part of this whole problem that's happened with Facebook, it certainly made us all aware of what's out there. It certainly made us far more conscious of what's being shared in the the wild, wild west of the internet. And Again, it's down to you taking control of your own profile, of your own information, and saying what it is that you want to do with it. So instead of leaving it on the street corner, you're actually leaving it in your house, on your table, for only your friends and family to see. So anyway, back to what I was saying earlier around the whole uh, Huawei growth, how quickly they've have grown from nowhere to quite a significant player in the smartphone market. In fact, I think they're number three now in South Africa, and I think they're number three globally. So very, very um, powerful growth over the last little while. And their new range, the P20, the P20 Pro, and the P20 Lite, certainly are some of the best phones that they've ever made. But that's trite in many ways. I mean, obviously, the newest phone are the best phones. But certainly, what they've done, which is right, quite interesting, is they've attacked the high end of the phone market Head on. They've brought out phones that unashamedly look like uh, iPhone 10s um, at 50 to 40% cheaper than an iPhone 10. Yes, they don't run Android, but technically they're right up there with the best on the market. Um, technically, they have all the same sort of quality cameras and screens and all the gizmos inside. So if you're looking for a high-end phone, I must say the new P20, P20 Pro, which is a bigger version with three cameras. Two is not good enough now. You now need three cameras on the rear. Certainly, I'm getting them for review shortly, and I'll do a proper review on uh, on high in the next couple coming weeks, but certainly uh, a great new entrant at very aggressive pricing, which is uh, always excellent for our rand challenged South Africans. So we'll be back straight after this. Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back. And unfortunately, no interviews for Tech Talk Cafe today. It's been a little bit of a, I think the holidays interrupted my flow of getting interesting people on the show. But I attended a very, very interesting launch this morning. And it's the beginning of a new, I wouldn't call, call it a chapter, but it's a new realization that particular countries, continents such as South Africa and Africa have needs that don't quite uh, align with what's going on in the rest of, of the world. Now, in America, 90%, for example, in continental USA, 90% of cell phone contracts are, are, or cell phone that are owned are owned on contract. So 90% of people sign a contract, pay their monthly fee, and merrily move along and use data, make phone calls, send WhatsApps, do whatever they need to do without any real thought to how much data, how much um information they're moving up and down because generally most of the packages are fairly competitive and have enough or sufficient data to allow you to get through a month without even worrying about it. But, and also 
because of this, the types of phones that people use tend to be pretty high-end, pretty expensive, pretty capable, running the latest version of Android or iOS, and have sufficient memory and capacity to really, again, not create huge issues. Now, when you move out of Europe, where similar situation exists to South Africa and Africa, where 90% of our cell phone contracts are prepaid, so people consciously pay every month, every week, every day for some matter for a little bit of access to the internet, a little bit of access to phone calls. They don't have a so-called smorgasbord of of facilities available for them. And the other thing that um, is a huge challenge, so cost of data, obviously, cost of calls, cost of cellular communications becomes an absolutely critical factor. And in fact, there's some households are spending 20 to 30% of their monthly income on telecommunication simply to stay in touch, simply you know, to be contactable, to run their little businesses, to do whatever that they need to do, which is an obscene amount of money as a percentage of their complete income. The other challenge that people have is that devices themselves are unaffordable. A 200 to 500 to $800 US device, we're talking about 5 grand, 7 grand, 20 grand for a device, certainly limits who can afford devices of that, you know, that quality and that, that sort of capability. And the price also sort of keeps a huge swathe of, of the country, of the continent away from smartphones. And of late, over the last couple of years, the quality of cheap smartphones in the 25 to $50, so we're talking about 500 to 1,000 rand, certainly has come along in absolute leaps and bounds. And we're seeing more and more people being able to move into the connected universe, being able to use search, WhatsApp, Facebook, for that matter, for you know, just generally to do some web browsing, use it for information, that is growing exponentially. And Africa is fast approaching a billion mobile connections um, across the continent, yet a huge proportion of them, probably 30 to 50 percent, are still running old GSM, GSM being the global system for mobile, mobile, that's 2G, 3G, Edge, things that a lot of people don't even think about anymore, old technology. I mean, they're still rolling out 2G base stations across Africa simply to give people um, connectivity. A what, uh, uh, an SMS is better than nothing. A phone call is certainly better than anything. And um, the fact that they can't browse the web or if they can in a very basic way is just one of those realities. Well, Google has been doing a lot of work, and that's what this whole announcement this morning was about. It was one small element of the the Google ecosystem. But there's a new initiative, and it's called Google Go. And Google Go is based on the very, very latest version of Android running on a whole lot of the new phones that are coming out right now, Android 8 Oreo. Um, And what Google Go is is simply an incredibly light, easy-to-use, Android-based operating system that's not actually different to normal uh, Oreo, but they've stripped out everything that uses heavy or needs heavy use of 
hardware, needs lots of memory, needs really fast processors, all the stuff that makes phones expensive. And um, interestingly, the first Google Go phone launched yesterday in South Africa from a little company called Nokia. And what makes that fascinating is that Nokia are still one of the major suppliers of so-called dumb phones into the African continent. Now, dumb or a semi-smartphone with a little bit of browsing and a little bit of activity that runs on 2G and on um, 3G and GSM and, and all those other acronyms, but a really basic phone. Phone calls, SMS, a little bit of basic web browsing and some few apps. That's what Nokia have been doing and doing really successfully. But they've launched their brand new Nokia One with uh, Android Go or Google Go. And essentially, that phone is going to retail. It's available right now from Celsi at 999 Rand. And this is a full-blown Android device. It has all the functionality of Android. Um, it runs 4G, so you can run on the fastest networks. But it has a really interesting app built in. And that's exactly what Google launched today. And it is a, and I'll ask them this, it is a new search app. But what it promises is really interesting. It only takes 5 meg to download. So to download the app, which is standard on a Google, on an Android Go or a Google Go phone, um, so it's very light to download, but it gives you an incredibly useful search interface, which is very visual, very easy to use, and promises 40% less use of data within um, you know, the equivalent Android or Google search that goes on through a normal sort of search. And um, it also is incredibly quick. And they've also said, I haven't tried it because I don't, I haven't put it on a really low-end Google Go phone. The only drawback, it will only work on the newest platform running on Oreo, which is Android 8. Um, but what it offers is 40% saving in data over normal normal searches. So that's in the context of of, of Africa, in the context of South Africa, where in the major cities, we're okay, but as soon as you move out, you get a little bit of dodge signal, and it, it actually works. They tell me, I haven't tried it, as I said, they tell me that it works exceptionally well on really spotty, low bandwidth connections. So it manages to be super fast, and I can tell you, I've tried it. Up comes a standard search bar. You can use voice search, and it's optimized for South African English, and some really interesting accents were tried at the launch, and it worked Every single time. It's got quick access to images, GIFs, all that sort of stuff, YouTube, weather, translate. And you can put your own sort of uh, apps in, which is quite interesting. So it becomes a bit of a launcher. You can open it and keep it open on your screen. You can keep all your apps in there. And it really does do incredibly fast and incredibly smart um, searches using all the power of of um, Google. So it takes you to maps. It does this all in an unbelievably light and fast way. And I think it's going to change the way that a lot of people look at the cost of data because if it's costing you in a month 40% less, you'll tend to, as we all do, the more data you have, the more you spend, the more you use. So if you've limited yourself to X amount of data and you and most of it gets spent on YouTube or, or Google searches or whatever it is that you need to do. So I think this is an excellent initiative from Google. And I think we can expect more and more of that 
as these devices roll out across the continent. And I mean, essentially, at round about 50 to 75 US dollars, again, still not the cheapest device on the market. You can get as low as $20. But running all this latest technology, the minute you start seeing sub-1,000 Rand devices with full uh, smartphone capabilities that use far less data than a standard sort of heavy phone. And that's another thing, and I expect to get phone calls about that from, and I have had quite a few messages here on Chai, um, around the whole cost of data and does the network steal our data and does the network, um, you know, somehow pinch it from you. And the simple, simple fact is that no network is set up in any way, shape or form to steal your data. It's just not possible within the context of 40 million people using the platform. It either works and works verifiably and accurately or it doesn't work at all because they can't simply target you and take your data. But what has started happening, and this is again where Google Go gets really smart, is when you connect to a network on a 4G high-speed network, the apps that you use start assuming that you have access, like in America, like in Europe, like in places in the East where data is not such a big deal, or the costs are low and you get sufficient in your monthly package. It starts instantly downloading much higher quality videos, much higher quality pictures, and that's in Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, um, and even starts auto-playing. That's another major bug for me in most of these platforms. You can switch that off in settings too, by the by. It starts auto-playing videos every time you scroll through them. But in order to auto-play a video by the time you get there, it preloads a whole host of videos on your phone while you're reading another article. And all that is using data that you're not aware of. So your one gig of data, which used to be more than sufficient to keep you going, suddenly is gone. Why? Because your phone has been doing all sorts of stuff in the background without you even realizing what's going on. So it's not the networks who's stealing the data. It's actually the whole platform that is using more and more data. So the simple fact is if you move to a 4G-capable phone and your phone says 4G or LTE on a regular basis, you will always use more data than if you were on an old phone running on 3G or 2G, which is the H symbol or the the GSM symbol or one of the other 2G symbols, those would never, ever, the apps themselves are just not capable of downloading sufficient data to use up so your data will last. So the stealing data really doesn't happen. But what does happen is your phone, the smarter your phone gets, the faster the networks become, and the newer your phone may be, will land up using at least 50 to 100% more data. And that's exactly where this Google Go app works so well and the whole google go or android go um, operating system on on oreo is much much more respectful and careful with your data and with your um, information than anything has been up to now so keep your eye open if you're looking for an inexpensive really decent quality and i've played with the uh, nokia one it really is for the money an incredible phone running the very latest operating system. And that's the other thing. A lot of cheap phones that get handed down over the years um, are really not very good with data. They tend to just use it whenever it's available. They, the battery life is not great. The refinements that have come to Google over the last couple of years have certainly been significant. They're much more efficient. Battery life is far superior. 
um, use of data and the, and the way it manages the use of data within the apps themselves has improved dramatically. So often it can even save you to buy a brand new a phone that's optimized with the latest operating system than trying to hang on to an older one and just buy more data as the phone uses it up. That's a, an equation that you need to think about going forward. But essentially, if you're looking for a low-cost phone for your kids, for yourself, for whomever, and you really want something that has got all the features, you can browse, you can download all the apps, you can WhatsApp, you can do whatever you want for less than a 1,000 Rand a month, the new um, Nokia one is quite quite uh, an interesting device. As I said, at this stage, it's only available from uh, Cell C, but I expect it to be broadly available. Their launch of their whole new range is next week in South Africa. They've got a whole new range of phones from Nokia. Some of them are spectacular. All of them are excellent value, and uh, Nokia quality is well known. So who hasn't owned a Nokia in the past? So keep your eyes open. The new Nokia One running Android is part of the whole Android Go thing, and what they also promise is that that operating system will always be up to date. The challenge there will be is that you need to download a new operating system every couple of months or, or patches as they, um, you know, as they release them, and that will have to be done on Wi-Fi. But there are a lot of places where you can use public Wi-Fi if you don't have Wi-Fi at home um, and not use your mobile data for that. But anyway, the, the whole idea of having you can – if you're on an Android phone right now, you can go to the Play Store and just search for Google Go. It's simple as that. Google Go, and it'll pop up as an icon on your, your screen, and you can use it for all your searches. My only comment, and this was a comment I made to Google themselves, a Google phone already has 15 different ways to search Google. And this is now another way that you can use your Google phone to search Google. But this is a really smart, very, very simple way to do it. And it's actually also very interesting in another way. You can use two languages. So you can, have, let's say, speak in Isuzulu, it'll listen to you. Or English, it'll listen to you. It's autom- it, you can actually set it up for the, for the correct um, voice, and it's amazingly accurate. I must admit that Google Voice Search has become much, much better over the last couple of years. Now that I've really gone into quite a lot of depth around the whole data and Google and whatnot, I think what we need to do is just switch completely across to something completely different. And I have been playing with the most geeky toy in the whole universe. And in fact, that is the name, and I've been droning on, and guess what? My gadget of the week, the toy that I've been playing with for the last few days, and I was really sad to let it go back to um, NavWorld, who quite, they're the people if you're looking for drones, by the by. But NavWorld lent me uh, an amazing thing called the DJI Mavic Air drone. Now, drones, we've all seen them, we've heard about them, and I've, you know, it's been a big thing at various shows that I've been to, but up to now, apart from the odd little demo and the odd little playing with one, I've never actually spent time with a decent quality drone to see what they can do. And I mean, drones are not toys. I think we have to get that out right up front. There are a couple. There's a little, they've got a new little uh, uh, drone, DJI, which will sell for around about 1,800 Rand coming out. It, it bounced off my walls in my house a few times. They showed it to me very quickly. Um, with a camera and everything you want in it. And that is more of a a toy. It it sounds like a a herd of angry bees buzzing around. 
it's good fun. It's not expensive. And, it, it, you know, you can do some interesting thing. It's got a nice camera. You can take pictures of the kids. You can, you know, watch what's going on uh, around your house. But very interestingly, there are some amazingly uh, restrictive uses of drones. So there are two types of uses for a, a high-end drone like the Mavic Air. And that's one of the least you know, expensive it's around about 16,000 rand, which is not exactly inexpensive, but certainly a drone of this sort has multiple, multiple uses for just anyone who's into photography. And I think that's something that you, you need to really consider. It has removable, replaceable batteries, so you can carry a couple of spares. It'll go between 15 and 20 minutes, depending on speed, so you can really do amazing things. And it's got a full 4K HD um, beyond HD, high-resolution camera. The pictures from this drone are absolutely astonishing. And if you want to take, if you're into photography, you want to do some aerial photography, and you are, tr you know, going out camping or anywhere, whatever it is that you're doing, it is quite unbelievable what you can do with a drone like that. It works. It has a controller that comes with it, but you can operate it from your smartphone as well. And it's just Simple to use, unbelievable. It's got sensors, so as it approaches a tree, uh, which are the killer of drones, by the by, if it approaches a wall, it'll slow down, it'll move away. It's actually ridiculously easy to use. And the quality of the photography and the types of things are, are really limited by your imagination. I didn't have even... A, I didn't even begin to explore what is possible because, as I said, there are some interesting and quite powerful restrictions. One, you're not allowed to fly these drones in anyone else's property, which is really interesting. You're not allowed to use a drone um, outside of your own private property or in public space. You're not allowed to use it anywhere near other aircraft. There's a whole host of restrictions, and I think they're going to start policing them quite considerably going forward. But save all that. The just sheer pleasure and fun of flying a little drone, you know, so much cooler than a helicopter, and the ease of flying a drone is quite unbelievable. And the pictures that I was able to take, what was interesting, um, some friends of mine's kids were playing soccer. I used it to film the game from above. gives you a completely new perspective. It really did change the way you looked at the movement of things and how things worked. So therein lies... Uh, an interesting use for coaches, for anybody who wants to see what's going on on a field from a totally third perspective. It's like those, you know, if you watch soccer, the, that camera that sits above the game and shoots around. Well, this is exactly the same sort of thing. It gives you a completely different view. But anyway, I'll, I've just been warned. I think we have a quick break for uh, our sponsors right now. And I'll be back just to discuss a little bit more about the DJI drone in uh, a few seconds. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And let me carry on with this whole droning story. Just as I said, there are a couple of really interesting things. I think the best thing to do if you really want an overview of what you can do, what you can't do, what drones are available, um, is go to the NAV World. It's NAV, N-A-V-W-O-R-L-D dot C-O dot Z-A website and click on products and click on drones. And it'll give you a really interesting run through of the drones that they've had. As I said, there's this new little one that uh, is coming very soon. It's called the, I'm just using their website to tell you, it's called the DJI Spark. It's cool, a lot less sensors, um, 
not a HD camera, but it's inexpensive and really, really great fun. And it runs off your smartphone, which is great. But the one that I was playing with, the uh, Mavic the Mavic Pro or the Mavic Air, um, is a whole different game. It, it, it's quite a serious thing. It can actually, um, you know, go up to seven kilometers. That's what amazed me from you. And there's the biggest problem, one of the worst things, one of the biggest problems in drone, um, you know, for drones, is that once it's out of sight, you can't see it. And uh, if it runs out of battery and it drops, there's no way to find it. So you've got to be a little bit more cautious. But essentially, if you're up on a mountain, you can go around about seven kilometers away and you can go half a kilometer up in the sky. Now, again, it's a tiny little device. One thing I really liked is it folds up into a lovely little like headphone packet. It's no bigger than that. And um, you can pop it in your bag. You can take the controller or you can take your smartphone and you can use it pretty much anywhere, which is quite interesting. It's not heavy and the battery life is pretty good, two or three spare batteries. And um, you can take it on a hike. You can do the most amazing aerial photography and the most interesting stuff. Um, Again, I didn't have time. They promised to bring it back so I can do it. But the camera really can do amazing things. Beautiful photography, um, certainly almost up to television standard. And it really can do sh- it can do things like slow motion, all of this controllable. And as a as a, a photographer's enthusiast's toy, and I won't even use I use that word you know advisedly. It's not a toy; it's a serious piece of engineering. It is unbelievable. But where it gets really interesting for a lot of people, I know people who need things like this. You want to check your roof? Why climb up on the roof? Use a drone. The, the camera quality is more than good enough. You want to check for all sorts of things, plumbers, people who want to, you know, check out paving. <laughs> it's just endless amount of commercial use. The interesting thing is that as a commercial use, if you want to use it for weddings, you want to, you know, do it, use it as a photographer's aid for all sorts of different things, there are a huge amount of restrictions. So what I suggest, uh, if you're interested in the drone world, and I mean, it's remarkably easy to use, much, much, much simpler than you would ever imagine. And the uses are pretty much endless. Uh, It can simply be an expensive photography aid. But then again, if you've got a high-end DSLR camera, that can cost you fifty to 100,000 rand. And this is just a movable camera of epic proportions. It's quite unbelievable. So go to the NavWorld website, have a look at what they've got. And um, pick yourself a drone, and uh, I promise you, you will never look back. They are quite unbelievable devices from moderate money, around about 1,800 Rand. And after that, pretty much the sky is the limit. And um, as and when new stuff comes out, I will let you know. The other thing that I've been playing with this week, which is from an interesting crowd, who hasn't heard of Cliff Central? And... um, Cliff Central are one of South Africa's. They were the first streaming radio station. We do stream. You can pick up our my show on a, a podcast. You can stream it live through the web. But here, Cliff Central actually were the first proper streaming non-radio radio station. And what they've done is they've launched a set of wireless earphones. Now, don't know where that came from, but they gave me a set to try, and I thought I'd give them a shot. And they're really a very decent. They retail for five ninety nine, which is not very expensive. And they're really a nice pair of wireless Bluetooth headphones. Um, they've 
they come in a lovely little box with all the accessories and a carrying case. They charge really quickly. I was quite impressed with them. And I mean, looking for a decent pair of Bluetooth wireless headphones for, for you know, just general use or for running or for sport um, is always, you know, quite a, a lot out there. What do you look for? And these are pretty good. You can get them from Take A Lot. And I must say, they've got magnetic on and off. As you clip them together, the backs, they switch off. As you open them, they switch on. And they sound really decent. They're not high-end by any means, shape, or form. But if you're looking for a really decent pair of <laughs> well-branded headphones, um, these are, are, are just the business. I must say they're easy to use, come with a whole set of different little ear tips so they can fit whatever ear. Mine takes a fairly small um, connector. And they pray, uh, careful with this, they play pretty loud, um, and they seal noise quite considerably. So... No one hears you, and they don't leak, which is quite a big thing. So no one uh, – you can't hear anybody. They can't hear your music, which is a, is a plus. And the little key – you know, there's a little keypad attached to the left ear um, piece and um, on the cable, which is easy to use. I must say that I was really impressed. For the money, I think there's not a lot that uh, sounds a lot better. They're a little bit bright. The bass is not incredibly uh, heavy and overbearing like some – uh, quite a well-balanced sound, and they're really nicely built, I must say. So if you're looking for a set of Bluetooth headphones, there's a new kid on the block from Cliff Central. So go to Take A Lot. They're five ninety nine, and um, I, as I said, I was really quite impressed for the, the price, what you get, the quality. They're easy to use. They pair seamlessly with pretty much any device I've tried. They've got a lovely little cap carry case and they sound pretty decent and they look incredibly well made which means they should last a little while so have a look at them if you're interested in bluetooth headphones now the last 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 thing that i just want to uh, mention um, is that and i was going to talk about this but we never ever got there but pwc recently launched or, or released a um consumer survey and what was really fascinating is that 32 percent of south african consumers south african consumers um, will buy ai devices going forward so this is it's no longer something that's coming down the road artificial intelligence devices are becoming mainstream and i'm going to tell you all about them in the next couple of days because i'm off to uh Rome, of all places, where IFA, which is the largest um, tech exhibition, which is in September, end of August, beginning of September every year, are having a pre-show press conference where they're going to show us a whole host of information from a lot of consumer people. And I think, you know, consumer manufacturers, consumer brands, and a huge amount of home consumer brands have AI or artificial intelligence built in. LG, Samsung, you name it. Everybody and the cat is putting AI in their um, in their devices. Everything's talking to everything. And um, we're going to see a huge explosion of smart devices. And it looks like, from what PWC are saying, um, consumers are ready to go all in. So here we go into the AI world. And on that note, um, let's all stay safe on Facebook, know what we're posting, know what we're doing. Uh, let's not trust the machines too much. They do interesting stuff without us knowing about it. And I'll be back next week, probably live from Rome. But if I, for some reason, can't do that, I will record 
some of the information that's coming out of that particular conference. Next week, same place, same time, right here on Chai FM.